Hello, my friends. You are listening to the Shine at Work podcast, formerly known as Getting Off the Hamster Wheel. I'm your host, Karen Weeks. I'm a transformational career coach who helps career-oriented humans get unstuck and find and be successful in careers that bring them joy, fulfillment, and success. I believe you should actually love what you do, even on the bad days, that you can find a career that lights you up because, spoiler alert, it impacts how bright you shine in your whole life. Every week, I talk to someone who felt stuck in their job and found a way to build a career that was right for them, because I know how that feels when your light is dim. I made a career change from theater to HR and now coaching, and at times in my life, I've had to look inside to see what was important, what made me shine bright, and make adjustments along the way. It's possible. I did it, my guests did it, and I help others do it. I hope you walk away from each episode, not just inspired, but with some actionable advice. And I hope you find it so valuable that you subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and tell your friends, because we all deserve to shine bright in our lives, specifically at work. Okay, let's jump into this week's episode. One quick announcement before we jump into this week's episode. I want to chat with all you managers listening out there today, or those HR partners who work with managers. This September, I'm starting the next cohorts for my two manager group programs. No matter where you are in your management journey, I'm here to help. My new manager transformation program runs for 90 days starting mid-September. With weekly training modules and worksheets, we will meet as a group to discuss key manager skills like hiring, giving feedback, driving results through others, and managing up. We will also do on-the-spot coaching for your current challenges that week, and we'll have one-on-one sessions during the program. You will go from rockstar individual contributor to results-driven, people-focused manager. And for those of you who have been managers for a little while, I know you come across challenges that you have not experienced before and are working to get to that next step in your leadership career. So for six months, we'll meet as a group every other week to work through your current challenges and talk through advanced level management skills like strategic thinking and planning and leading through change. We'll also have monthly one-on-one sessions to tackle your tough management challenges and fast-track your next step into leadership. Let's connect directly to chat more about how we can work together on your management transformation and help you shine as a leader. Email me directly at karen at karendweeks.com to talk more. Now onto our regularly scheduled programming. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to have my friend Lauren on the show today. I sometimes can't believe that I've only known you since like December and January, but I'm thrilled to both share your career journey, but also how you help others figure out the right answer for their lives. So welcome. And I'd love to give you a chance to introduce yourself because you'll do it way better than I ever would. Oh my gosh, Karen, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be on your podcast And to be with somebody who's done the thing that I teach people, (laughs) which is to disrupt and expand in your life. So hi, everybody. I'm Lauren Widrick. I am a life and business coach. Said differently, I'm a life coach for entrepreneurs or people with an entrepreneurial spirit. So most of my clients do have businesses. In fact, a lot of them come to me to start a side hustle, or maybe they've started their side hustle and they want to grow it through sales, or maybe even really blow up their main hustle through scaling it. Uh, but what I do is I actually help people grab life by the goals. That's the tagline of my company. And every single word in that tagline can actually be broken down, like grab life, right? What is the life that you want to have? We yes. start there always. We always start with a life you want to have. And then we go grab it by setting goals. So like I said, for a lot of my people, they are entrepreneurs or they have an entrepreneurial spirit. 
I work with a small handful of people who are in corporate jobs and thriving there, but they still want more within that setting. And then for the rest of my folks, they've realized that the more they want is outside the corporate setting. And then they go do the thing and start a business and express their purpose that way. Well, and I think that's what's so important is that there is no right or wrong answer, even with the people you work with, even though you tend to have sort of a, a niche or a focus, it's about what is the life you want to lead and how does your career or a business or whatever you want to do help you create that life. And that's a very profound way of looking at it. And not everybody has that reflection. So I actually want to go through your career journey because I think it helped you get to this point and help you have those own reflections that now you help others with. So, so bring us back to the beginning. You're in school, you're starting your adult life. What did you think <laughs> you wanted to be when you grew up? <laughs> it's such a good question. So back in school, in college, I was a business major. I always knew from childhood, I would go into business. And in fact, when I was little, I used to tell people I wanted to be a CEO, even though I didn't <laughs> know what that was. And I say little, like five-year-old at my dad's company picnic. And everybody Aww. seemed to be giving attention to this one guy. And I was like, Daddy, who's that? He's the boss. He's the CEO. And I was always enamored with that, like, oh, he has a lot of reverence. People seem to respect him. How do I get on that path? And I thought it was to become the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. So I went mm. to school for business and decided to become a marketing major. That's what I've always really wanted to do was marketing. I'm really turned on by messaging and connecting with people and consumer psychology and why mm. would anybody be activated to buy something or do anything really, mm -hmm. right? It's just the psychological factor. But once I got to school, I went to Ohio University, uh, there was a intro class. So freshman year business major, they sit us down and they were like, these are the 10 sub majors. You can choose everything from finance to accounting to mm. marketing, all the things I wanted to be a marketing major but they listed out the majors in order of starting salary upon graduation. <laughs> and the one I wanted to do marketing was at the bottom. Oh, and there was this other thing at the top called management information systems. <laughs> and I'd never heard of it, but it was at the top. And so my 18 year old self was like, well, I better do that. I better yeah. go that route. So I declared a second major and I was marketing and MIS. I didn't know what MIS was. It's basically like computer science light. So you learn how to write code is basically a boot camp to become a consultant at Accenture. <laughs> so I did that. I did that. And I graduated in 2005 with this MIS degree. And that's where all the jobs were in 2005. I couldn't get hired mm -hmm. as a marketing entry level marketing person. So I went into technology and it set me down a path of a good on paper career mm -hmm. that was totally unfulfilling. Yeah. So predictably, right? Like I could look back at my 18 year old self and be like, you never wanted to do that. Yeah. You did it for the money. <laughs> and that's why I always think it's so funny that we ask 18 year olds to decide what they want to do with the rest of their life. And no offense to the college, I'm sure they listed out the salaries for a very legit reason, but of course people were going to pick the higher salaries. They're 18. They're trying to afford beer or whatever. Like that yeah. stuff is going to attract them because they don't even know what it's like to be in a company. So they even know what half of the jobs are. No, you're right. I mean, that was the litmus test of success. I mean, that's what we're subconsciously taught mm -hmm. in society, right? Is that money equals success. Yeah. And I got that message growing up, you know, in the, you know, upper middle-class suburban Ohio, you know, my parents were in the keep up with the Joneses race. And mm -hmm. I think it was subconsciously put into my mind that like, if I can just make a six figure salary or get an executive title, I will be a success. And so yeah. I went down that path for a long time. So I graduated 
uh, with that MIS degree, I started out as a quality assurance analyst, which is the world's most boring job. Sorry to anybody who has that job. <laughs> to me, it was the world's most boring job. Your job is to find bugs in software. Mm. It's a totally thankless job because if you find the bugs and they never make it out to production, cool, nobody notices, right? <laughs> God forbid you find 99 and the hundredth bug gets to production and then, you know, the system blows up and the users are yelling at you, you're in trouble. <laughs> So me, marketing girl, right? Combing through lines of code, trying to find software defects, which is not it. Yeah. But the good news is I was able to be, I called it a right brain girl in a left brain world. Mm. I never belonged culturally in technology, but I had a right brain. I had the creative side. I had the leadership side and the extroversion. Yeah. So I could manage teams. So even at the young age, I think I was 24 when I became a supervisor. I had a couple of people I was looking after. And then 26, I had a little team of five or six and then the banking crisis happened. So I worked in banking. I should mention that. So I worked at Wachovia Bank, in fact, when the whole thing happened in 2008. And during that merger, I mean, that was crazy, Karen. That was a, it was crazy for everybody in the Mm -hmm. world and working on the trading floor of a global bank, you know, derivatives. It was, it was those crazy derivative instruments that crashed the damn economy. That's where I worked. That was the software (laughs) I worked on. You're welcome. (laughs) Right. But out of that, so I want your listeners to hear this too. Out of crisis can come opportunity. Yes. Or as we coaches like to say, out of breakdown can come breakthrough because during, <laughs> during the bank breakdown and merger, right? Wachovia became Wells Fargo in my experience mm-hmm. of it. There was opportunity for leadership, right? Everybody yeah. was freaking the hell out and little old, you know, overconfident, naive me was like, I'll do it. I'll, <laughs> I'll run this team. And so they, they gave me more and more direct reports. And mm-hmm. by the end of it, by within a couple of years of the whole banking crisis, I had a team of 60 people. Yeah. That's amazing. And most of them were in India. Two thirds of them were in India. So I had offshore kind of like co-leads and then a, mm-hmm. a small team here in Charlotte, but yeah, I was like barely 30 running this department of 60. Well, and I do believe that I've talked to a couple of folks about my own experience going through a ton of change at a company and an HR team that had been like totally turned over upside down. It was um, so stressful, but people in those moments truly found their careers and found confidence and found leadership that they never would have had if it had continued to be smooth sailing. And so right. if you're the kind of person that can step up in those moments, as stressful and horrible as it can be, you learn something about yourself and you would get opportunities you never would have gotten in sort of the good times. That's well said. There's even a quote around that, like a smooth sea never made a skilled sailor type Mm, thing. Okay. Yeah. So having a little bit of that swagger, that's one of my favorite words in my business (laughs) and my marketing now, like having the swagger to be like, I think I can fill this leadership void. Yeah. I see some crazy stuff going on around me. And there's two options. One is to get swept away by the tide, which everybody is, right? Like the banking crisis is such a good example. Everybody was freaking out. Every day I came to work, it was just funny banter, like who's losing their job today? And for the most part, a lot of the people around me weren't losing their jobs, but that was the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. And I would go out to happy hour after work and people were putting their condos and houses on the market. And I'm like, dude, you haven't even been fired yet. What are you doing? Like, (laughs) so you can get swept up in the vibe of like, this sucks. This is stressful. Everybody's screwed. Yeah. Or you can sort of carve a path and be like, I don't know about y'all, but I see an opportunity here to do something different. Yeah. And And so so we were just good. I think we were going to say the same thing. And so yeah, what was that something different for you? (laughs) Yeah. So in that moment, so I beat the banking crisis to a dead horse here. That was like 
you know, the beginning of me really stepping up in leadership and saying, I can, I can grab my life by the goals a little bit, but years passed. Right. And it was 2013 where I got a little itch. Mm. I'd been at the bank the entire time, right. How many years would that have been something like a decade, right. I'd been there for a while. And I was like, I think I need to do something different and shake Mm -hmm. things up. And this is the power of the universe and manifestation. I had this thought and I must've been clicking around on LinkedIn because a recruiter who I knew personally Mm -hmm. reached out to me that afternoon. and was like, Hey, I saw you clicked on my profile. How you been? (laughs) And I was like, weird. You ask. I was just thinking about maybe putting myself out there and doing something different. Mm -hmm. He's like, what do you want to do? So we met up for coffee And I told him what I was good at. I was like, I've been doing quality assurance. I run these teams. I do these processes. And he goes, I think I have an opportunity for you. It was at a small private tech firm. Mm. So not a startup because it had been around for about 10 years, but it was a small private tech firm. And he Mm -hmm. was like, they're actually looking to start a QA department. They don't have a QA department. Mm -hmm. Would you want to come start this thing? And I was like, Ooh, it kind of felt entrepreneurial to me. Like, Oh, I get to start a department and build it. So that's what I did. I went over to this other company. And like I keep saying, it's not a startup, but it felt like a totally different vibe than, you know, the cubicle desert of banking or the trading <laughs> floor, right? It was awesome. And it blew up in my face. I was only there oh. about 18 months. And I can look back and reflect now. I was brought in to start a QA department. And within six weeks, they were like, oh, you're awesome. You should run these other four departments. Mm. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so hear this, Karen and <laughs> listeners. This is the other side of, of like blind bravado. It's one thing to like raise your hand and be like, yes, I can do it, but mm-hmm. also make sure that you are ready to do it. Mm, yes. I took on more than I could chew and it ended up being my downfall. I was running these five departments, barely keeping them on track. Yeah. Right. Making a millimeter of progress in a million directions, which felt like no progress to anybody. Yes. Yeah. And they ended up saying like, we're going to need to move on. I got fired. Oh, I got fired from that job. Yeah. did you realize when you were in it that it was not going well or were you blind to it? Yeah, no, I knew, (laughs) I knew. And I look back on how I handled it and I'm actually not proud of it. No. And I want everybody to hear this because you can't outwork the problem. And here's what I mean. Mm -hmm. I was running these five departments. I was stretched too thin. I was under supported. I didn't know what I was doing. There's just, it wasn't going that well. Yeah. And when I started to get criticism from the owners of the company, imposter syndrome flared up. Yeah. Yeah. Major. I mean, maybe actual imposter situation was flaring up. Like I I maybe (laughs) should not have taken on the role, but what I tried to do was outwork the problem. Yeah. So I worked harder. I worked longer hours. I tried to do more, but there was no amount of paddling, you know, scooping buckets of water out of the boat that would have saved the boat. And that actually had an impact on my personal life. Yeah. Yeah. A big one, a big one. I had a small daughter great husband, wonderfully supportive husband who was getting nothing from me. Mm-hmm. I was working from eight to seven. Right. Yeah. And then going out to drink, going out to drink with my friends afterward, stumbling home at nine or Ubering home at 10 because mm-hmm. I was so stressed and I was just, my heart and my priorities were in the wrong place. Yeah. And so got fired in the middle of it, went back yeah. to the bank as a, as a consultant for a hot minute to lick my wounds. And was just like, my life is falling apart. Yeah ego was shattered and my marriage was on, you know, hanging on by a thread. So it was a wild time. Well, and it's so hard because in those moments, especially for, I don't know if you want to call it type A personalities or swagger personalities or whatever you want to call people like us, but we do, we lean into it more. Like we don't, we literally cannot say maybe this is wrong for me or something's not right. 
we need the permission to, and I'm speaking for you, which I shouldn't, but I know personally when I've been in situations where I'm in way above my head, I can't say those words because I need someone to tell me it's okay that this isn't working out or I'm in over my head or something because I'm going to keep trying harder until I literally crash and burn. And you either need to fire me or like I'm a puddle on the floor. And I think sometimes people need that support to say, it's okay, this isn't working out. It's okay if this was the wrong decision. Let's get you into something better, better suited for you, better suited for your life, healthier for you, whatever the right version of better is. Um, Because sometimes we can't say that to ourselves. That's exactly it. And you said the critical word in there, which is support. Mm. I want everybody listening to combine these two stories, right? The, the, you know, the spunky 26 year old or whatever (laughs) I was, it was like, I can do it. I'll do this big project during the merger and actually result in opportunity. Mm -hmm. And then a few years later, the version of me that did the same thing, raise my hand, I can do it. But once you realize you're under supported, yeah, actually admitting it. Yes. I look back on that time at that tech company. I wish I would have gone to the owners and been like, you guys are right. You guys are absolutely right. I am not able to do all of these things simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So can we craft another solution? Can we hand something off to someone else? Can we hire? Can we delay a project? Like I was too proud yeah, yeah. and too egotistical to actually admit that I needed help. And it yeah. ended up being my downfall there. Yeah. Well, and I think that is so important because I think also people then look at that and aren't able to sort of say those words out loud and move on from it and grow from it. And so, especially because you mentioned it was impacting your life as well. How did you get out of that cycle? How did you realize what was going on and, and be able to, to figure out what needed to change? It was with the help of a life coach. Yeah. So what I did after I got fired was I went back to the bank that I had left as a project manager, which was an ego blow if I've ever experienced one, but I was gainfully employed, right? Licking mm-hmm. my wounds. And my life was still in shambles to some extent. Mm-hmm. And I finally was like, what, what am I doing? Yeah. It's not technology. It's not banking, but what is it? Yeah. And I'm sure some people listening can relate. Like, I know I want something more, but what is it? Yeah. And it feels like a, like a black hole of possibility in a good way. But I ended up encountering this life coach, this woman named Sarah. Okay. And even though I was a little skeptical of life coaching, even the term sounds kind of fluffy yeah. or like, I, I don't know, like life coaching, what is that? Right. Yeah. But I ended up having a couple of meetings with her and she asked very simple, profound questions yeah. that bent my mind into a knot. Mm-hmm. You want to hear the question? Yeah. What do you want to do with your life? <laughs> right. No shit. But I was like, I don't know, because I only ever had the context of what had I done in the past. Like, do I want to continue in technology management or do I want to move into the business or should I move to a different bank? She was like, no, 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 no. Put all that aside. Like, that's what you've done. What do you actually want to do? Mm. And what I said to her, we've laughed about it since because we're still in touch. I was like, I'd love to do what you do for a living, but I fear it's not a real job. (laughs) And she was like, bitch, I got this job. (laughs) (laughs) you're paying me to do the job. (laughs) Right. Right. But no, it's all those limiting beliefs. Like, where do you even begin? Do I start my own business? Do I have to get a website? Do I do an Mm -hmm. LLC? And I I didn't know any of that stuff. Where do you get clients? Yeah. Do I have to get an Instagram account? Like, I don't understand any of this, but she helped me see that you just break it down bit by bit. What is it you want? I want to become a life coach. Okay. We work backwards. What's step one A? 
get trained, get some coach training. Yeah. So that's what I did. I signed up for a coach training program. It's a year long program in New York city. I flew from Charlotte to New York 12 times and just began the journey of building, building my business. Yeah. Well, and I think you uh, bring up a really good point of just breaking it down bit by bit. Like it's good to have the ultimate goal, of course, but it often seems too lofty or I'll never get there. And if you break it down into bite-sized pieces that you can say, okay, first I just need to do this. And then I just need to do this. And if you're able to look at it that way, then you actually can see a path forward and you look back and say, oh, I already did three steps. I'm actually on my way. You got it. Yeah, it's very agile. There's a a methodology in the software world, agile software development, where Mm -hmm. all it says is you have a theme. You have a theme for what you want. Yeah. You generally know what you want the software to do. So to translate the metaphor, we generally know what we want in our lives. I think I wanted Mm -hmm. a business doing life coaching. Yeah. Now, back into the present time, all you can plan is this sprint, this one or two week sprint. What are we doing right now? Because as your journey unfolds, new insights, new information, new people, new opportunities always present themselves. Yeah. And the plan has to shift. So creating like a five-year plan will never work for my brain. But what I can do is create a general theme for what I want and sprint toward it in an iterative, responsive fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's exactly the piece is that I think everybody thinks they have to have it all figured out. And as long as you have a North star or a beacon or like whatever metaphor you want to use, then you can figure out the path from there. And you'll also learn along the way. If you don't even start and try a couple of things, you don't know what's going to work, what's not going to work. And I'm guessing that you kind of went through that journey with life coaching because clearly you have expanded your business past just sort of the more typical life coaching piece. You got it. Like when I look back on what I've been doing over the last five years. So that moment of when I hired the life coach and was like, I want to start a business. That was about five years ago, maybe five and a half years now. Here's what it's been like. I side hustled for two and a half years. And even during the side hustle phase, it was like, I'm a life coach. No, I'm an executive coach. coach. Um, No, I'm a side hustle coach. No, I am a life coach. Just kidding. And oh, just kidding. I'm a corporate coach. So companies should hire me to do leadership training. I tried all of this shit. Yeah. And it makes me sound like a squirrel brain and I am to some extent, but I needed to try those things to understand what was for me and what wasn't for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I have clients, all of my business coaching clients who are like, what should I do? What should I call myself? What should I put on my website? And I'm like, I don't know what's in your heart right now, put it out and see if it's landing with you and your people. And if not, Mm -hmm. we're going to refine and iterate and go again. Yeah. Yep. I love it. Well, and that goes back to the agility and everything that we were just talking about. And I also Mm -hmm. think people try to define themselves too early and it's going to evolve either A, because you're going to learn or B, the world is going to evolve. I mean, if the last year and a half has taught us anything, it is, you may be on one path and then you learn new things or the world presents new opportunities and you want to sort of roll with it to see what opportunities are out there. And so when you work with folks, how do you sort of bring all of that together? Because you are all those things, even if you're not only doing one of those things. It's a great point. And like I said, in year five, it's really coming into focus. It's, I'm glad I took a swing at all of those different crafts mm-hmm. because now I can teach them all to some extent. Like, did I want to be a corporate leadership trainer? No, but I learned <laughs> the B2B sales cycle and the red tape mm-hmm. of, you know, budget committees and all of that stuff. So if I have a client now that wants to start a leadership training company, I'm like, oh yeah, I can teach you about that sales cycle. (laughs) But to answer the question you asked, we start by designing the life that you desire. Yeah. 
I yeah. really believe, you know, I've posted this before on social media. There's no such thing as a career goal. No such thing as a business goal. There are only life goals. Yeah. Yes. So we have to start there. Like what, what do you want more than anything? Is it adventure? Is it stability? Is it service? Mm-hmm. Is it joy? Is it fun? Is it food and sex and travel? Like, what is it that you want? Because it doesn't, the choices we make in your career and business are actually just the tools to build the, the life that you want. Mm-hmm. So we start there. So uh, my most prevalent program is called Slay Your Side Hustle. Karen went through it and was <laughs> all star, all star in the program. And it does ask those big, deep questions. Like what problems on earth keep you up at night? Yeah. Who are the humans that you desire to serve? What is your purpose and how would you, given the opportunity, express it? Yeah. That's where, that's module one, (laughs) right? It's like your personal transformation and then the client or the person that you hope to serve, like start there. I don't know if you should have an interior design business or a social media management business. I don't know yet because we need to know you. Yeah. And, and by the way, that first module is intense and not what I was expecting <laughs> when I signed up. But it, I mean, I was writing down words I didn't even know that I was thinking. But I think the other thing too is the ability to come together with others. And so, you know, whether it was um, Side Hustle or other uh, courses that you offer, we're all coming from very different places in our life. We're all coming from very different businesses, different mm-hmm. goals for our business and life. Um And yet we have this community and we all come together. And I think that's also a very special thing that you have built out through your business is bringing people together to support each other, not just you, which is obviously amazing, but like we're supporting each other as well. Well, there's that word again, support. Yeah. Yeah. So you can build your business. Like I was trying to build those departments back at that tech company all by myself, (laughs) you know, feet paddling underwater, but I'm drowning the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to build a business alone. I I truly can't imagine. I've never done it. Right. Like I had coaches the entire time Mm -hmm. and a community of my own, you know, fellow entrepreneurs to learn from. So I had to cultivate that for the people in my world, because yeah, you're right. Like you can, you can Google how to make a business plan online. (laughs) You could even get a coach and that one person will tell you their perspective on how to build a business. But I still think that's undersupported. I, I cannot express enough the value of a community of people who get it yeah, on an emotional level, what you're going through. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that goes back to what you're talking about. It's, it's, it is your life, even if that's not what you were realizing when you first come to work with someone like yourself, the importance of how this is going to impact your life, what you want your life to be, what do you want your relationships to be, your health, all of those things. And then whatever business you do, whether it's corporate life or your own thing or whatever, that's just supporting that life. And if relationships and community are important to you, that is part of this experience in building out that life. Absolutely. So yes, from a career or a business perspective, you make a great point. If one of your core values is autonomy or let's say flexibility, Mm -hmm. right? Locking yourself into a business where you're seeing clients eight hours a day is going to be at odds with that value. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or if one of your, one of your core values is service, right? but you lock yourself into a banking software job where all day long you're just digging out software bugs and not actually being of service to the humans you want to be. It's at odds. Yes. Yeah. But you can design it differently. So let's use like the corporate career path. For example, I have a client right now, a guy named Keith and he works at Wells Fargo. That's where we met mm. 16, 18 years ago. And he has actively decided to stay in the corporate structure, mm-hmm. but to apply 
meaning. Mm. So he's mm-hmm. got a passion for sustainability, diversity, and inclusion mm-hmm. and commodities and energy and all the stuff that he actually does for work. He is carving a path within the bank to, to express those gifts and to serve that purpose. Yeah. Yep. So like it, he has a normal job, right? He has actually a big <laughs> executive job that doesn't actually include sustainability. Yeah. But he's like, I am going to find the people at the bank who are interested in this and create mm-hmm. a little coalition and see if we can't connect in Charlotte with, you know, sustainability organizations mm-hmm. here. He's carving that path for himself so that his work has meaning. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what's so important is I think so many people think that change means I've got to leave where I am today, um, whether it's a huge jump and totally change what I do or just change companies, but that doesn't have to be the case. And I think it's why it's so important that what you were saying earlier, it's about figuring out what's important to you, what are your values, because it's very possible you can do that at your current company, heck, even in your current role. It's But if you don't know what's driving you and what's important to you, you don't know where and how to make the change. I mean, Karen, this is what you do for people mm-hmm. is helping them create meaning with the career that they're choosing. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's all about what you're choosing, not change. I am reminded of an exercise when I was doing mostly career coaching. So this is probably three or four years ago. I came up with an exercise called love it or list it, mm. which is just like the show on HGTV where, you know, they're working in, or sorry, living in a house that's not working for them anymore. Yeah. And so the options are to renovate the house or to get a new house. Yeah. And that's, that's how I would encourage your listeners to look at their career. My husband still works in corporate. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And he had to do some renovations around there to make it the right home for him. Yeah. For me, I listed it and I left. So, So there is no one option. So if you're, if you're in a career situation where you're like, this is good on paper, I'm not feeling it. Yeah. Yep then I would say, are we, are renovations required? Because if it checks eight of your 10 boxes, if it checks like the financial stability, the leadership, the location independence or whatever, right? Like if it checks eight of the 10 boxes and you only need to renovate two things, yeah, like adding meaning, doing a passion project at work or what, fully expressing yourself, whatever, then renovate and stay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Yep. Well, and especially because if you do and that you don't know what actually needed to change, you're just going to find yourself in the exact same situation in a year, in two years, whatever, because you didn't actually identify the thing that was important to you. hundred percent. hundred percent. One of my issues in corporate was I didn't, I never felt fully expressed because, you know, I have a foul mouth. I like to curse. <laughs> I like to talk about colorful things. <laughs> I couldn't really be myself in the corporate world. Yeah. And for me, that was a deal breaker to being in corporate. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I need, I need freedom of expression to say whatever messed up stuff I need to say. (laughs) Right. So if yours is a deal breaker, then list it and disrupt and find something new. Yeah. But you're right. We all have freedom to craft the lives we desire. And these tools and these business, these careers and these businesses are really just the the vehicle that drives us there. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, you have shared so many pieces of advice along this conversation, but if there's one thing you either wish you knew along the way, or you want to make sure the listeners walk away with, what would that one piece of advice be? I think it would be take messy action. Mm. If you don't know what you want, try something. Yeah. I do this in my business all the time. I'm like, should I do a retreat or a mastermind or a YouTube channel? Like, I don't know, right? I never know if I want to do something until I actually try it because that's how you gather the data. 
Yeah. So I would say don't ruminate, don't over plan, don't overthink, don't over journal. Like I love all those things. Right. But like, (laughs) I would say, get your butt out and take some action. Yes. And then one other little advice I would pop on top of that is get supported. Yes. Don't try and do this alone. So if you are really, really trying to find more meaning in your career, reach out to Karen. She can hold safe space for you. She can connect you with people, right? Like get supported. Yes. If you're looking to start a business or grow your business, reach out to somebody like me. Mm-hmm. We will, we will guide you through. We will hold space for you to figure out what's next. And when you're like, I don't know what I should do. We're going to be like, take messy action and try something. <laughs> right. But trying to do it alone is it, first of all, it's a lonely experience. Yeah. When the experience of transformation should feel good, yeah. not comfortable, yeah. but it should feel <laughs> good. And if it feels bad, you're not going to do anything to change. So yeah. like get supported. I like what you said. It may, it should feel good. Maybe not comfortable, but good. I like that (laughs) definition. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. We're going to include all your contact information and ways to reach you and your upcoming programs in the show notes, but is there sort of like a best way to reach you? Instagram, LinkedIn, what's best for you? We love Instagram around here. So my (laughs) handle is at Lauren Widrick and just send me a DM and we will geek out about all of this stuff. So if you're one of Karen's people, you're one of my people (laughs) and I'd love to meet you and support you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. I was honored that you said yes to this. I'm so glad we got to tell your story, but also share advice with folks who are trying to design the best life for them and how their career fits into that. So thank you so much for joining. This was amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Shine at Work podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Leaving a review just takes a few minutes and truly helps other people find the podcast. If you want to learn more about how I work with people to help them transform their careers and shine brightly in their lives, please visit karendweeks.com and follow us on Instagram at kdwcoaching underscore careers or join our Facebook group with the same name. And thank you as always to Astronaut Go Home for our music. Until next time, remember that you can and deserve to shine at work.